Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. <clears throat> well, the first day of a retreat is usually um, a difficult one, a challenging one, but you got the full initiation today. <clears throat> it was quite a day. Um, it was uh, the first time there was um, hurricane force uh, winds um, warning in San Francisco history today. And uh, an atmospheric river which seems like uh, we've gone through the worst and tomorrow is supposed to be very little precipitation by my last reading. <clears throat> hmm. And I was thinking, I was, I was uh, coming up here and I was thinking a story that uh, Jack tells when he was uh, a young monk at Ajahn Chah's and he's out on uh, arms round in this really cold day, and he's with Ajahn Chah, and Ajahn Chah looks to him and he says, pretty cold, isn't it? And Jack said, yeah, it's really cold. And then Ajahn Chah said, this is about as cold as it gets. And he just kind of felt so much better. Okay, I made it through the most intense. Ooh. Um, so, um, how was today for you? <clears throat> Just a little um, barometer check. Um, sleepiness? Raise your hand. Okay. Uh, restlessness? Yeah. Aches in the body? Yeah. Busy mind? You're doing great. Right on schedule. <clears throat> and all of you have done retreats before, so you hopefully can remember uh, what, uh, what it was like on your former retreat. Sometimes we remember the, the very end when it's so good. You say, yeah, I want to do this again. And forget about the first part. Um, but here we are. And this first part, these first few days are um, about settling in and making an adjustment to, um, to this very different reality that uh, you haven't been used to in a while, where you're not able to run on the energy and stimulation that you usually do. Uh, it's about, it's a, a bit of a fast from, from stimulation as you, as you come, which takes a while to get in touch with your own energy resource. And um, told to sit still, now walk in not very favorable conditions, so probably a bit crowded, 
and um, sleep in a bed you haven't been in before. And um, so it's almost guaranteed to bring some resistance. Um, and that's, that's okay. That's one of the good things about people who've done retreats before. You know that that's, that's part of the deal. Uh, but it is quite an initiation um, these first few days, and today was was intense. So um, I like to think of it as I think I said last night. <clears throat> that we're on a journey together, and you're on your own individual journey, your own uh, deep dive into this mind-body process called you to discover or deepen your connection to all the goodness and the beautiful qualities inside, the love, the wisdom, the courage, the Buddha inside. Yesterday, John led us in the, the refuges, and um, the first one, as you know, is taking refuge in the Buddha. And that is taking refuge and understanding, acknowledging, having faith that as you do this, you more and more awaken to your true nature. This is from Nyosho Kempo, a great Tibetan master. He says, Buddha nature, which is another way of saying the Buddha inside, your true nature, the essence of awakened enlightenment itself is present in everyone. Its essence is forever pure and flawless. Those who recognize their true nature are enlightened. Those who ignore it or overlook it are deluded. There's no way to enlightenment other than by recognizing Buddha nature and authentically identifying it within one's own stream of being. So this is what we are um, are doing and have been drawn to do. Uh, and in order to connect and, and uh, awaken that Buddha inside, it means we have to be willing to go into unknown territory and being willing to open to anything and everything that gets in the way. That's how it works. If you came here and had a sweet, blissful sitting from day one and went all the way to day 28 or day 56 or however number of days it is, um, it might be very sweet and very nice, but you wouldn't probably... um, Discover the things that you need to discover while you're on this journey. So I want to talk tonight about 
opening to our experience and the willingness to be here for whatever comes and the uh, qualities that can support that. <clears throat> Sometimes I, I think of the Buddha sitting, just sitting and uh, sitting still, whether in the meditative mood, uh, mudra or, or touching the earth uh, as Mara's armies are attacking him, and just sitting and being here for everything. That's what we're learning to do, to be here for the joys, the sorrows, the ecstasies, the mm, hell realms or wherever. And here he sat, and, and here you sit. And in that uh, willingness to meet all conditions that arise in this human condition, there's a transformation that takes place. And that's what enables us to uh, transform our suffering into compassion. If there wasn't suffering, we, we could not awaken compassion. And that's what transforms our confusion into wisdom. Like there's a, a line in some of the Tibetan uh, chants, may my confusion dawn as wisdom. That's what we're doing. And uh, as I was thinking about what I'd share, I thought of the, the classical hero's journey, Joseph Campbell's hero's journey, and I uh, looked it up uh, today and have a picture in front of me, a whole diagram with it, that, um, that pretty much can, um, can describe what, what we're on. There, it starts with a call to adventure. And you've all heard some call, as I mentioned last night. I think I, I need to do this, this practice. I need to come for a month or two months and, and just see. And you might not even know why that message came to you. Sometimes people say, I heard the call. I say, nah, but oh, yeah, nah, yeah. And you here you are. So you hear a call, and then you go on your quest, and then you, uh, as, as the, the classical depiction by Joseph Campbell uh, says that as you, you cross a threshold, um, often there is a helper on the other side, or a mentor, as it's said. So here we are, Kalyanamitas, uh, spiritual friends who are saying, ah, we're here for you to support you. And you have to do this on your own, but we're here for you. And then in that depiction, going to... Um, the, the deepest and sometimes darkest places inside, um, not necessarily, but everybody will meet uh, places that normally are uh, below the radar and hopefully a 
understand, embrace them, and turn them into deep compassion and wisdom. And then coming back into uh, the return, coming back into life where you have some gifts to share. And this is the classical journey, hero's journey, whether it's the Buddha or Jesus or... Um, trying to think of some, some women who, who are great archetypes of this, and I, I would welcome some. The, the one that I could think of, uh, if you ever saw The Hunger Games and Katniss Everdeen, uh, just kind of going through it all, and she becomes a true hero at the end. Or Luke Skywalker. Um, that's, that's this classical journey that we're on. Mm. And in the, um, in the Pali canon, or not in the canon, in, in practice, uh, in the commentaries, there is this progress of insight where you go through um, a number of stages that start out with beautiful places of insight and, and seeing um, certain understandings cause an effect and, uh, and you see the arising and passing and it's so bright. And then you go through some difficult stages of fear and terror and uh, loathing and disgust and then coming out the urge uh, for deliverance and awakening. Now, I'm not, I don't want to program you that you have to go through that in order to get somewhere. But it's just good to see that uh, this, is, this is a natural part of the adventure that we're on. And our willingness to face the difficulties and the challenges and the, the ways that we usually distract ourselves. Um, this is the practice. This is the, the gift of, of practice because we're learning to open to experience, which is very different than how we usually relate to experience. Um, probably um, you're familiar with Vedana, the second foundation of, of mindfulness, and we'll probably get into that. In, in a deeper way on the retreat um, as the retreat goes on. But I'll just mention here now with Vedana, um, the Buddha said in every moment there's, it's a pleasant moment, an unpleasant moment, or a neutral moment. And most people have a reaction when it's pleasant to try to hold on to it, to contract around it, and possess it. If it's unpleasant, most people recoil and push away with aversion. And if it's not compelling, most people uh, just are sleepwalking and also tend to identify with their experience. But when we can practice and see 
clearly without the reaction of contraction, then we allow for all things to be here, come and go. And when it's a pleasant moment, instead of grasping, we can appreciate and know that it passes. And when it's an unpleasant moment, we can find the fortitude to be with it, knowing that it's going to pass as well. All the wholesome states, kusala states of well-being, are expansive states, and all the states of suffering, akusala, greed, hatred, and delusion, fear, and judgment, and all of those are states of contraction. So what we're really learning to do is to open to experience. Whether it's beautiful or difficult, uh, that takes practice. I wanted to share with you a quote that I I love from uh, a book uh, that I rediscovered in recent years uh, that I loved when I was much younger called The Lazy Man's Guide to Enlightenment. Anybody familiar with that book? It's a great book, one person. Very thin, by the way, which definitely attracted me. He was walking his talk. And this is what he says. The basic function of each being is expanding and contracting. Expanded beings are permeative. Contracted beings are dense and impermeative. We experience expansion as awareness, comprehension, understanding, whatever we wish to call it. When we're completely expanded, we have a feeling of total awareness, of being one with all of life. At that level, we have no resistance to any vibrations or interactions of other beings. It is timeless bliss with unlimited choice of consciousness, perception, and feeling. When a being is totally contracted, they are a mass particle completely imploded. To the degree that they are contracted, a being is unable to be in the same space with others. So contraction is felt as fear, pain, unconsciousness, ignorance, hatred, evil, and a whole host of strange feelings. At an extreme, they have the feeling of being completely insane, of resisting everyone and everything, of being unable to choose the content of their consciousness. Of course, these are just the feelings appropriate to mass vibration levels, and they can get out of them at any time by expanding, by letting go of all resistance to what they think, see, or feel. I really, uh, I love that passage because for me, in a, in, a, in a nutshell, it describes practice. If there's contraction, how can you relate to it? Do you relate to it with more judgment, which is just more contraction? Or can you relate to it with mindful awareness, loving awareness that can hold it and soften around it and just allow it to be there without adding on, and that in itself is part of the healing. 
Now, you, you can't be and shouldn't be open all the time. There are times that it's really appropriate to protect ourselves, to have healthy boundaries, to take care of, of something inside that needs protection. So I'm not saying to be open in every instant, but for the most part, when we see we're contracted, at least to hold that contraction with a softening kind awareness. <clears throat> so there are some qualities on this journey uh, that I wanted to talk about that help us to wisely open to our experience. <clears throat> this is not a classical list. Uh, it's, um, it's just these qualities are found in different lists, but uh, this is just things that have uh, been helpful for me to understand. <clears throat> First, as we, as I said a few moments ago, this takes courage. It takes courage to, to be here and mm, be willing to go against the natural tendency of of avoiding or distracting and um, and sleepwalking to say, okay, let's take a look inside here to face whatever fears are here and to find that you had have an inner strength and courage that you um, you didn't realize you had. This is from Pema Chodron. Uh, I think this is from the places that scare you. I'm not quite sure. Uh, either that or when things fall apart. She says, uh, the next time you encounter fear, consider yourself lucky. This is where the courage comes in. Usually we think that brave people have no fear. The truth is that they are intimate with fear. When I was first married, my husband said I was one of the bravest people he knew. When I asked him why, he said because I was a complete coward, but went ahead and did things anyway. So it's not like you've got to put on your samurai uniform and your sword and say, yeah, just let me at them. In fact, that's how you discover you had courage you didn't know you had. If there's a place that, um, that's willing to just touch fear, and I'm just thinking right now of uh, something that, that Jack says, uh, a simple way to, uh, to understand fear. Because fear is always going from the known, the familiar, to the unknown. And sometimes we like to do that. We go on, we go to scary movies or go on roller coasters and things. Sometimes there's a lot of excitement in scary. I don't go to scary movies, but, uh, but they're very popular. But when you are at that edge of the familiar and the known to the unknown, 
fear is like it's a scout telling you, as Jack puts it, it's saying, about to grow. And in that way, it's, it's an ally. Oh, I'm about to grow. Of course, there's times where fear is a very important danger signal that we need to pay attention to. But most of the time, it's a mental formation in our mind about what might happen. And it's always about the future. Because this moment is generally workable, but when the mind says, what if? Uh, What if this shoulder pain keeps on for the next 45 minutes or two weeks or whatever? And that in itself contracts the mind and you get caught in um, in living in the future and missing out on the, on the present. There's a, here's a, a quote from Dan, uh, Daniel Goleman, <clears throat> Emotional Intelligence. He says, uh, this is the problem with worry. New solutions and fresh ways of seeing a problem do not typically come from worrying, especially chronic worry. Instead of coming up with solutions to these potential problems, worry typically simply, uh, worriers typically simply ruminate on the danger itself, immersing themselves in a low key way in the dread associated with it while staying in the same rut of thought. So the more you have something in mind that you're afraid of, that becomes your reality. Uh, um, I'll I'll share an anecdote um, that's just coming to me. I've shared it here a few years ago. When I was a a kid and I was learning to ride a bicycle, I must have been, I don't know, maybe six or so, I'm not quite sure something like that. And I was with my father on our street in Queens, Elmhurst, Queens, New York. And uh, it was a Sunday, so there were hardly any, Sunday morning, hardly any people out in the, in the street. And, um, and he, was, he was saying, okay, I'm going to start you off, and then you just keep on pedaling, and you'll be fine. And he started me off, and I was pedaling, but I had not mastered braking on the bike. <clears throat> a, a small detail. And I'm going along, hey, this is pretty cool. Hey, I'm getting the balance. Oh, this is what it's like. And then in the distance, I see some people and a baby carriage. And as I see it in the distance, I say, Oh no, don't hit the baby carriage. Don't hit the baby carriage. That was my whole reality. It was like radar. And I hit the baby carriage. I've thought of that baby many times and hope that they are okay. 
but it was, it's so, um, it was so clear that when we are focused on what we're afraid of, it takes over our, our mind. So that's why there's such, um, such power in refuge in the present moment rather than toppling forward to the future or toppling forward to what you want to happen just as much as what you're fearing might happen. So it takes some courage to be here in this moment. And it's possible just allowing for this moment to be how it is. That's all. You don't have to um, make a project of making it a better moment. It's simply allowing this is the way things are. And when this is the way things are and there's not much you can do about it, you have two choices. Either wish it were different or come to terms with this is the way things are. And that takes practice. And that's what we're learning to do with this courage to allow for things to be as they are and to meet them with grace, with humility and love and courage. This is a poem by my favorite Dharma poet, Dana Falls, called Allow. There is no controlling life. Try corralling a lightning bolt containing a tornado. Dam a stream and it will create a new channel. Resist and the tide will sweep you off your feet. Allow and grace will carry you to higher ground. The only safety lies in letting it all in. The wild and the weak Fear, fantasies, failures, and success. When loss rips off the doors of the heart or sadness fails your vision with despair, practice becomes simply bearing the truth. In the choice to let go of your known way of being, the whole world is revealed to your new eyes. Now, along with this courage and this allowing, um, it's important to know what your capacities are. Like I said before, it's not uh, possible or healthy to be open all the time. And you really have to honor what feels um, skillful and know your what's called window of tolerance where you uh, are not wanting to go into overwhelm but just playing your edge of what feels workable for you and really listening inside to what you need in any moment, but not to go under the window of tolerance where there's either a numbing out or just a a kind of distancing where fear is running the show. So that's the first I mean, courage 
to allow this moment to be how it is and to open to it. And along with that, connected with courage, is some sense of trust in this process. And again, being experienced practitioners, you do have some degree of trust that there's a value in this. Ooh, let's trust. Fortunately, my iPad has some light. Ah, let there be light. Okay. How interesting. Mm. So, trust in the process, not trust, oh yeah, oh, did the, um, did the recording stop? It's okay? Uh, <clears throat> trust in the process is not, not thinking that everything is going to go the way I want it to go, but that you can trust that awareness can meet the moment. When that moment comes, that is a challenging moment, the more you are meeting this moment with kind awareness, the more likely you will be able to be there and meet that moment with that same attitude. But if you're continually thinking about the future and not being here meeting this moment, chances are when that moment comes, you're going to be thinking about, oh, what's next after this? So we're practicing in every moment to trust that our awareness can meet this moment. And in every moment that you are doing that, you are gaining confidence. Oh, yes, I can be with this. Oh, and now I can be with this. Now I can be with this. <clears throat> and one of the things that helps us trust is remembering that things will change. The Buddha, in one discourse, he says, if there's one reflection to keep in your mind and in your consciousness, remember impermanence, anicca. Because if that's really embodied in your understanding, when things are hard, you know, this will pass, so let me be here for it as best I can and learn what I can instead of spending time hoping it's going to pass. Oh, this will pass, so let me learn what I can. And if it's a beautiful moment, knowing it will pass, you don't want to miss it or think, oh, I hope it doesn't pass because then you're missing the moment as well. But to really appreciate it while it's here, but knowing it's not about arriving at some magical peak experience and somehow maintaining that. It's about learning to be here for the ride. And that changes your relationship to this whole process. <clears throat> and trusting in the practice itself, as the Buddha says in the the opening of the uh, Satipatthana Sutta, one translation. There was one 
most direct way to overcome sorrow, lamentation, and grief, despair, pain, anxiety, and realize the highest happiness, and that is the establishment of mindfulness. That's a pretty big statement, isn't it? It's true. It's amazing how he figured out that this is the way. Oh, I just have to keep on being present in a skillful way, and life reveals itself to me. How amazing. And life shows what it's like to be in this human form and shows the commonality that we all share. As you see how this mind works, then you start to see the predicament and the possibilities that we all have. The Buddha, in, in one teaching, he says, in this fathom-long body, that's six feet, give or take a foot and a half standard deviation, in this fathom-long body, the whole of life is revealed. Suffering, the cause of suffering, the end of suffering, the path leading to the end of suffering. In this body-mind, this is your laboratory to understand what we all share in common. And just like uh, there's anatomy books that show how, how it works in these bodies, that's how doctors study what, Gray's Anatomy and all the, the medical books they have. Oh, this is how it works for humans. For most humans, this is the general way it works. And the Buddha said, and this is how the mind works. This is how the mind gets caught. And this is how the mind can be freed. And when you can see, oh, this is my laboratory, then you take it a little less personally. And instead of saying, oh, gosh, look at my mind, it's, oh, wow, look at the mind. Look at how the mind works. And you're exploring for everyone. So other aids besides courage. Forgiveness is a big one for me that I've, I've seen. And I think for most people, it's so powerful forgiving ourselves for what's going on in our meditation or memories that we have from 20 years ago or even longer. As we can begin to forgive ourselves, we can start to understand how others get caught in their own habits of mind and forgive them, and even forgiving life as well. And you get a chance for this all the time, particularly when you're sitting in meditation. For me, the most important moment in meditation is the moment that I realize that the mind has wandered. What do you do when you see that your mind has wandered? Do you get angry at it, as is very common? Do you take it personally? Do you think you're being a bad meditator because your mind wandered? 
Do you say, oh, I'd like to wander right now when you, when you sit down on the cushion? Probably you're saying, gee, I, I'd like to be present and mindful. And there's, wherever it goes, sleepiness, restlessness, past, future. Who's to blame? Does it make sense to blame yourself for your mind wandering when you're trying to do the best you can for it to be here? So what do you do in that moment that you see it's wandered? Do you criticize? Or can you forgive and just see, this is just the way this mind works. And realize you don't have as much control as you thought you might have. So forgiveness, when your mind is wandering, or when you see old habits of mind that have been built up for a lifetime, how do you relate to them? Do you get frustrated that they're still there? Do you get angry at yourself that you're, you're not wiser and, and still get caught, even if you've been practicing for 20 years or more? Or can there be some forgiveness in realizing this is a process? In, in one of my um, early retreats, I was... Um, I've shared this story before. I'll just share a little bit of it. Where I was, I was in. Uh, I was. I used to love to do slow walking. I, I can't do it these days, but um, I, it was it was pretty cool and just really crawling. And one one time, I was all by myself and doing slow walking, and I just decided to play play being the the great mime Marcel Marceau, who barely. You can't see the movement. It's just there. And I say, oh, let's try that. And in this, in this experiment, somebody comes into the, into the walking room who had just come on to the retreat. This is a three-month retreat, and they used to tack on a two-week retreat at the end. They only did that for a couple of years and said, that's not such a good idea. But somebody came in, and it was clear that they had been they had just arrived after we were practicing for like two two and a half months or so and i knew this was going to look really bizarre but i wasn't going to stop my my experiment my beautiful demonstration of slow walking and after a, a couple of minutes they bolted out of the of the uh the gym actually uh, at IMS, what used to be the gym. And the thought came to me, wow, I really blew her mind. She must think I am a great yogi. <laughs> and then I heard that thought reverberating through my mind, this pride and this ego and aren't I wonderful and look at me and all. And it was disgusting. And I just... I, I was like a caged tiger just pacing back and forth and saying, I'm never going to get out of this. I'm never going to get it. And after about 10 minutes of that, <clears throat> it occurred to me 
the millions and millions of times I'd had thoughts like that that were underneath the radar. But I saw it this time. And it was a very powerful moment uh, because I accessed mm, true forgiveness as I said, wow, you've been practicing this for a long time that way. This is going to take some time. Just remembering it now. It was a powerful moment. It was one of the first times that I truly forgave myself because I just saw the, the, the depth of the conditioning. So forgiveness, letting go of being perfect, letting go of doing it just right, there's a line I love in uh, the third Zen patriarch verses on the faith mind. He says, to live in the highest realization is to be without anxiety about non-perfection. That's when you know you've really made it, that it's okay to not be perfect. Whew. Wow. So forgiveness, patience is another tremendous aid in this journey of opening. It's one of the ten perfections and it is uh, it's uh, such a, a powerful reminder that it's not about it's not a race, it's not a relay race or some kind of race. It's about just showing up as best you can and letting the practice um, support you. <clears throat> uh, on the, my very first long retreat, it was a, a three-month retreat. Uh, in, um, anyway, I was, I was thinking um, by, the th- by the second or third day, my mind was going 11 weeks, three days, 15 hours, 20 minutes to go, I'm never going to make it. Maybe you had that thought today, I don't know. Fortunately, somebody gave a talk on patience, and it was it's made such a difference. Every time I saw myself toppling forward, it's just this moment, come on back, come on back. And rather than getting somewhere, whenever you wake up, I can guarantee you it's going to be now. And wherever you are, I can guarantee you it's going to be here. So it started to make sense to me. Oh, all I need to do is throw myself into here and now. And everything else will take care of itself. So forgiveness patience, sense of humor is really important. Because if you can laugh at this crazy mind, then you're in on the joke instead of the butt of the joke. Wow, look at the mind do its thing. Sometimes I'll I'll make myself smile uh, in my early days, particularly, I'd 
See, I don't want to smile, but you said you'd smile. I get into a real uh, spin cycle, as I call it in my mind. Come on, lighten up, man. Just smile. I don't feel like smiling. And I, I made a little pact with myself that I'd go in front of a mirror and just smile. It works. Try it right now. Okay? I can't see you underneath your masks, but just try, especially if you don't feel like doing it, challenge me and put a, a stupid grin on your face. Big one. It's hard to stay depressed when you got that. It's like the body tells the mind. Anyway, lighten up. Lighten up. I have a jukebox off in my head, and when, when uh, the song Take It Easy came on one day, I had been very intense and down for quite some time, and then the song, Take It Easy, take it. Don't Let the Sound of Your Own Wheels Drive You Crazy. And it was like the sky opened up. Take it easy. And just be able to laugh at this mind instead of taking it so personally. Just a few more things. Sincerity. You're here because you've had some sincere call to awakening. There's something in you that wants to um, grow in wisdom and in love. And that sincerity is your key to success. That's your true, genuine uh, motivation. My sincere motivation, the Dalai Lama says, is my greatest protection. So rather than what your meditation looks like in any particular moment or day. All you need to do is show up as best you can. And that sincerity of effort will help you get in touch with what you need right now. And being able to listen from that heartful place and ask yourself, what do I need? to come into balance. What do I need if I'm getting tight to uh, soften and, and relax? What do I need to renew my commitment if I'm getting a little bit lax? But struggling is extra. So if you find yourself struggling, what do I need? And don't worry about what it looks like. Listen inside to the truth. Your sincerity is your great protection. And wanting to learn, just being really curious, and you're on this adventure, you might as well go for it and discover what is possible to discover. As long as you're facing in the right direction, that's the key. And with all of these, you probably can get that one of the the underlying qualities that can hold it all besides your sincere intention to be present is a kind heart. Is a heart that 
can hold all of that conditioning, that can hold all of that impatience, that can hold whatever mind state arises, besides it just being a cool clarity of what's happening, there is a a kindness that is an essential part of this process. And when it encounters suffering, it becomes compassion to yourself or to others. When it encounters mm, um, deeply pleasant experiences, it becomes joy and gratitude. Wow, life is amazing. So this kind heart is really the underlying um, secret ingredient besides that intention to be present. And remembering that you're doing this not just for yourself. In that kind heart, you start to feel connected with everyone and realizing that you're doing this Everybody will benefit from your practice. And when you are kind of wondering, what am I doing here and what's the point of this? Just reflect on all the people in your life or that you will touch who will feel the benefit of your practice. As I'm sure you felt that being around others who've practiced for some time. You can feel the the fruits of it. And that is what you are developing within yourself as you open to experience on your journey. So I'll just close with this favorite passage of mine from Shantideva, who wrote the the Guide to the Bodhisattva's Way of Life, the Dalai Lama's Basic, the Dalai Lama's uh, Bible is his most inspiring uh, text. <clears throat> Shanti Deva says, "As a blind person feels upon finding a pearl in a dustbin, so am I amazed by the miracle of awakening rising in my consciousness." It is the nectar of immortality that delivers us from death. The treasure that lifts us above poverty into the wealth of giving to life. The tree that gives shade to us when we roam about scorched by life. The bridge that takes us across the stormy river of life. The cool moon of compassion that calms our mind when it is agitated. The sun that dispels darkness. The butter made from the milk of kindness by churning it with the Dharma. It is a feast of joy to which all are invited. So let's sit for a moment, just let the words settle.
Thank you for your attention. There's a half an hour period now for walking, and then we're going to be uh, coming back at nine o'clock and doing some chanting, as we'll be doing each um, each last uh, last formal uh, group sitting for the day. Um, so come back and Jaya, are you doing here? Jaya, what's that? Jaya and and Tara. Um, so come back and uh, enjoy your walking period and we'll sit one more time. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.